Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name is Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from ITV Studios Executive Vice Presidents Julie Meldal Johnson, Greg Johnson and Augustus Delgaro about the company's response to COVID-19 and how it's affected their rollout of new content. They also explore how streamers are changing the global marketplace and the new opportunities for drama, unscripted and formats. With all eyes on the UK for this month's London screening, C21 has put together a series of panel discussions and one-on-one interviews to coincide with the event, exploring the key trends and issues front of mind for buyers and sellers right now, the place of UK programming on the global stage and some of the shows to watch out for. ITV Studios Executive Vice Presidents Julie Meldal Johnson, Greg Johnson and Augustus Delgaro spoke with Michael Pickard about the company's response to COVID-19 and how it's affected their rollout of new content. They also explored how streamers are changing the global marketplace and the new opportunities for drama, unscripted and formats, where their priorities lie for the next 12 months and some of the top titles they'll be pitching to clients over the next few weeks. Augustus, shall we start with you? I mean, just tell us a bit about the state of the market currently um, and, I mean, just where we are in terms of the pandemic and its effect on ITV Studios. Yeah, the last 12 months have been unprecedented for everyone. For ITV, the number one priority was always the safety and well-being of its teams around the world. Um, Our other priority, of course, was ensuring our teams had the hardware and software to deliver business continuity. In doing so, we are able to move seamlessly to smart home working and without missing a beat for our market and for our clients. It's worth pointing out that a number of the ITV team globally already work remotely to the UK and in different time zones. So this was already in our DNA. So so we had a pretty good run up to this. And everyone across ITV dug deep to continue to deliver what our clients expect. So the high-end quality content, the face-to-face meetings and the content showcases. And you see all of this wrapped up in last year's ITV Studios Fall Festival, where we launched and widely pre-sold Pembrokeshire Murders. But in terms of the current state of the marketplace, nearly 12 months down the track from lockdown, I think we're all really pleased to see a new buoyancy come back to the market. And, you know, certainly in quarter four and and definitely in, in quarter one this year, you know, we've been really, really busy, which is, is really good news for us. Judy, then let's just, if we take a kind of production focus, first of all, I mean, how have things been for you um, on, on pr- the production side? Uh, obviously, we had, a, I guess, a big production freeze, you know, in most of the world, um, you know, around March last year that went on for a various numbers of weeks depending on where you were how have you had to manage that flow of of content um you know to get new content out to buyers and and your contacts well um yeah the the, you know the hiatus was difficult for everybody we worked very very closely with our producers with our clients monitoring what was coming when it was coming back and really through the sheer hard work and ingenuity and creativity of the producers we're able to get back you know, very key shows into production. Some some shows didn't stop, you know, Graham Norton and those kind of shows that this managed to find a way to continue uh, being awesome during the lockdown. They didn't stop, but, um, you know, shows that, that were paused were very quickly back in production. Key shows for us this year, uh, like Vigil and Line of Duty and uh, The Serpent, you know, all back in being produced safely and to really great results. So, the, yeah, the, the, the ITV Studios uh, family and the producers within it did us proud. Yeah, I think you mentioned that, you know, um, Vigil particularly is, is going to be a hot show this year, I think. And and, and obviously everyone's clamouring for Line of Duty to return. It feels like it's been away for a while. So I think those were certainly two of the most high profile shows that 
we were kind of all following for uh, you know Instagram updates of people back on set and, and things yeah. like that so um, that was exciting and, and obviously like you say Graham Norton and, and other shows have found a way to kind of work remotely and it's great to see Graham now back in the studio although I, I think it's still a bit jarring to see how far apart all the guests are because yeah. his yeah. show is obviously known for throwing everyone on the same sofa yeah. I mean how I mean how long did it take just to get that kind of blueprint together of for how um, not just ITV but that you know I guess generally the production community would would try and tackle going yeah, back to production. I think really very very quickly um, the, the community worked so well together across across you know ITV BBC within the UK with the government with insurers with everybody it was a very collaborative effort across across the community in, in other countries there were, there were similar things Michael I, I can't answer any question about time because time has just become this amorphous <laughs> dimension that I have no, I can't keep track of anymore I could, weeks or months and, and days or, or, or weeks and months a day so it's I, I, I can't remember exactly back back that year but it was very it was very quickly done and it also feels like a long time ago though now that period the shows that we've got coming this year are, are so strong we're so proud of the slate and yeah it's, it's great to see that despite everything really great content is still being made how did the, just the on the development side then how did development change because um, if writers have had anything to do over the last year it's it's rights and and pitch ideas and, and get kind of um, shows together so how have you been involved in developing new series as well and working on that slate that we might see coming up over the next year or two within days ITV studios took the decision to accelerate development and to focus on development and you know it, in the time of crisis I think that was a very brave and absolutely the right move so yeah I also saw sides of that across the industry outside of the ITV studios family as well so yeah I think that the creative pipeline in the UK and, and around the world is, is really really strong there was a lot of development last year and really good mm-hmm. some really great things coming through and, and then so on the, on the flip side in terms of distribution how has your strategy changed in terms of the changing demands of the market and and how broadcasters have had to adapt to maybe not having the shows that they were expecting to be delivered on time last year look it, it's been a moving feast to be clear and and it's changed over the time you know when when we first went into lockdown in march april last year it was very much about as augusta said getting the team up and running again um and, and then sort of understanding what was likely to not come how we could change that but but look i think one of the key things is we've been really flexible you know i always say one of my favorite things about being with itv is from a distribution side is that we're also a broadcaster along with being a distributor and that that allows us to get insights into what's happening in broadcast the same way that all of all of our clients are going through so I think we have a little bit of an understanding as well of, of what they're doing. The market is changing significantly, but I think overall, what we've seen in the last year is a, is a real need for good content. And I think the strength of partnerships has been really key for us in the last year. And the fact that we do have broad relationships with everyone, with the with the new emerging SVOD players, with the public service broadcasters, and, and that has been really key for us to adapt and change and somewhat do the same thing that we always do and try and help our clients in the best way. Have, have you seen, um, I, I guess, the, the anecdotal um, response to kind of the whole past year has been that broadcasters have leaned heavily on library content and that's been kind of you pushing that out to them. Is that general response to the things you've seen or has it been a bit more nuanced than just simply diving into your back catalogue and, and seeing what you can offer up to the different broadcasters who might have a, an eight o'clock or a 10 o'clock slot to fill? Yeah, look, I, I think it definitely is nuanced. You know, I like to think we've got a best in class team of salespeople that are not, you know, I don't think we particularly had a lot of stuff just sitting 
sitting on the shelf waiting for a COVID pandemic, but it is nuanced in understanding what those clients want. And, you know, a lot of clients, if they were not getting some of the content that they would normally get out of the US, were looking for other things. You know, as a sales team, I think we there were parts where you where we would look at, um, you know, advising clients of other shows that they may not have thought of. And I think all of our clients have had to broaden their perspective of what might work on the on their service. And I think that's a good thing. So yes, we definitely been very successful in selling more shows, but then timing can just be a good thing. Something like Shit's Creek for us, which, you know, going into its sixth and final season, we'd done very well with it, but there were still some markets that had not taken it. And it became the feel good show that, you know, all of a sudden when you have 80 episodes can make a huge difference to some of our broadcast clients. And, and that's mm-hmm. been really successful for us. You know, something like Bodyguard, and Second Windows. Emmy wins helps too. So. A, handful of, a handful of Emmy wins did, did, did uh, yeah. help that as well. But yeah, so so it just, it, it depends and it's working with each broadcaster, each platform on, you know, on their level and just finding the right things for them. Just, sorry, just wanted to add to that as well. I mean, as Greg said, there's no one size fits all approach and timing for shits was perfect, but the timing was also perfect for some other brands like Little Birds and Singapore Grip, um, where, where clients circled back to that IP and were able to make a success of it because other things had fallen out of the schedule. So, so we were able to take advantage of that and find solutions for our clients. Needs change, I guess, depending on you know what the, the demands on the broadcasters are. Have you found that appetites for different genres or different types of content has, have changed as you know they've found those schedule holes and, and have needed to fill them maybe with something that they wouldn't normally go for? Yeah, and, and I think that's something that has really benefited us. I mean, you know, clearly during the pandemic, live sport and event television paused. So we were able to lean into not just the catalogue, but also our recent programming just to come up with solutions for linear and streaming platforms. So in getting IP on those platforms and on the linear schedules, we're able to build demand for UK scripted factual and entertainment programs, sometimes in territories where that demand just didn't exist. So the net result of that is we're seeing bidding wars for key content. We're seeing more packaging opportunities and we're seeing buyers expanding on a genres that they usually take, which really suits us well because we do have such a broad catalog of content. So again, it comes back to that thing of being ready with solutions when they're required. I mean, Julie, did um, the production hiatus, did that affect the content supply of your, of your new shows at all? Or how, how did you kind of have to respond to your own production challenges in getting new shows out to, to clients? Yes and no. I mean, I mean, mostly not. You know, that, the, the very strong slate that we've got, you know, this year, I think is testament to, to really the, the how production were able to respond and find solutions and find innovative ways of completing things. Mammoth were just a couple of weeks short of finishing The Serpent, which they'd shot in, in various locations in the Far East and they finished it off in the UK. And you can't tell, which, you know, it, it, it's such an amazing result. So, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was, there have been a lot of chewed nails and a lot of sleep nights but ultimately our pipeline is, is really really strong and that, as uh, Augustus was saying is across the genre it's, it's in scripted it's in entertainment you know and our factual slate is, is one of the strongest we've had in in, in many years so it, I feel lucky I mean it's, it's been hard work but I feel uh, we certainly feel when we look at how the pandemic has impacted others we feel lucky. I think it's also fair to say that it's it's not just you know one thing that we have to do is really look forward all the time and it's not just you know it wasn't just 2020 and getting through that and now 2021 we you know we really are looking forward to what are the show you know we're, we're into 2022 and beyond now aren't we that's a big part of how we keep moving forward and probably one of the reasons why we will be more successful this year of having the shows coming through that we have because of the the work that we did 2019 and 2020 i think of the serpent when that launched on new year's day and i was thinking
thinking back to a lunch I had with uh, Tom Shankland and Richard Warlow in LA three and a half years ago when we were out talking about that show. And it just, you know, some things take a long time, but it's it, it, these shows are a long time in the planning when they finally come in. In a year where feel-good shows have done so well, like we were talking about on Shit's Creek, true crime, really dark shows like The Serpent, like Pembrokeshire Murders have just done phenomenally well in the same kind of environment. So I think as while there is a, a huge appetite for feel-good for sure, you know, audiences as well still drawn to really good storytelling, really good production values and intriguing, compelling stories, even, even the dark ones in these dark times. You know, the stellar results of The Serpent and Pembrokeshire Murders have shown. But I guess um, the scripted maybe story of the pandemic is perhaps more well known than the unscripted side and, and the format. So, I mean, Greg, how have how has that side of the business been affected in terms of getting unscripted projects over the line and, and getting new formats off the ground? How, how's your experience been of that over the last year? Well, I, I I don't think it's been any differently to how we've how we've handled drama. It's probably a little quicker to get back into production. And and I know Julie's you know Julie's non-scripted team have been amazing at finding shows and keeping them coming through for us. So, you know, and it's ranged, you know, we've been very lucky, you know, that ITV was able to continue making some of the big shows that they make. Um, We've supplemented those with productions, whether it's Attenborough's Journey or whether it's Wild Tokyo or or, or different shows in different genres. And then I think we've also, you know, we spent a lot of time last year going through sort of co-productions for one of our big upcoming uh, non-scripted series. But, you know, we we are looking forward. I think non-scripted is a great, growing part of our business and there there is a really good market for it it fills gaps i think probably one of the highlights for me of uh, the non-scripted side is actually that there's been a bit of a shift in with these sort of supplementary non-scripted documentaries that relate to the dramas whether it's you know whether it was des and we we sold the des companion documentary or the pembrokeshire murders one and and they've found they've found a real niche with audiences and with our broadcasters as well that are taking their shows we all said a very very busy year, Michael, on our factual side because we merged the 2-4 catalogue into ours, which was very exciting. You know, we looked with envy at a lot of their titles as we shared our standard MIPCOM over the years with them. So Greg and Augustus and their teams were salivating to get their paws on some of their great content. So yeah, so our, our, our factual slate is, is, is looking really, really strong. And, you know, so even shows like the Hotels Inspectors Hotel, which we launched launching, you know, it's, it's a real achievement from, from the production to get a, a show set in a hotel made in, in these times and you know Alex Polizzi who's, who's always been the hotel inspector she then set up her own hotel so, she, so the inspector is the one being reviewed and critiqued the shoes on the other foot so there's, there's some really great new things coming through the one thing that people would be really surprised on is is how far the non-scripted and particularly the factual catalogue actually travels we spent a lot of time talking about our scripted catalogue and for good reason because it's, it's pretty enviable but you know that the non-scripted stuff particularly the two four the Taupa tape, um, you know, tape for The Voice and Cannonball, but also for our, our factual series. We do a lot of business in China, in Japan, in India, in Malaysia, uh, in Taiwan, in the Philippines, and, and of course, Australia and New Zealand. So that content really resonates. So we can't sell it fast enough. Have, have you found that broadcasters are using factual series in a particular way to plug those gaps that maybe, I, I guess, they don't have the room for a scripted series? You know, what's been their approach to using factual, maybe in comparison to their approach to scripted? Well, 
for linear channels, of course, you know, a, a one-off documentary has a huge amount of utility in the schedule. So you can put that in at 8.30, 9 o'clock. You can play it during the day if it's not too contentious. And the beauty with our, our factual catalogue is you can easily curate a crime theme, for example, or a lifestyle theme or an extraordinary people theme, be it in, an, in the on-demand space or in the linear space. So it has a huge amount of utility and you get real bang for buck with that content. And Judy, you know, one of the, I guess the biggest things to come out of the pandemic is the lack of international travel and, and the fact that we're not all together in various places around the world. I mean, how are international co-productions sort of shifting at this time? Are they just on hold or are you always exploring how you might work with other partners when you're able to? What, what's the state of play for, for those co-productions? They feel very healthy. I, um, I, I think the producers are creative and, you know, by, by nature and the need for content is more voracious than ever. So people are finding ways of working together. Broadcasters are finding ways of working together still. Um, in terms of the shooting part of it and, and actually being physically on the ground in different countries, that is still happening. People are still, even Australia, Augusta, none of us are allowed to go to Australia, but productions are still going there. Australia's got a huge influx of foreign production. So it's working. It, it requires more organisation, more planning, more flexibility, but productions have those qualities in abundance. So it, they are definitely still, still working. Does that just, you know, the shape of the deal is changing maybe? So whereas you might have a production partner on the ground, they might just be a, a financial partner maybe for the, a, a little while until things are able to get back up and running again, or is it largely business as usual? It's not quite business as usual, but business is happening mm. at the same rate, I would say. It just is, it probably takes more planning, more organisation and potentially more complexity and flexibility. Production loves certainty and planning, but the flexibility has to be built in and there's a, a level of uncertainty potentially wasn't there more than a year ago but it doesn't seem to be affecting the production made and Michael, I think, um, you know, if you talk about co-productions, it definitely has changed. I've done a lot of Zoom pitches with uh, partners and and our producers now. And, you know, in one way, it's really nice to be in a room with people and pitching the project in person. It also adds this extra layer of pressure when, when you've got producers that are flying to LA for three days to pitch their big show and that kind of... And there is something, and I think we've all found it with our clients, that it's a slightly different relationship when you're seeing them in their kitchen or you're seeing their new lockdown puppy and you know things like that and it just it does it has taken a little bit of pressure off I think in some of the pitches and we've had some absolutely brilliant pitches happening over the last couple of months so it does take a little more organization it's just different hopefully when we get back to traveling there'll, there'll probably be a mix of it I guess we won't necessarily just be telling our producers you got to get on a plane and come and pitch it there'll be there'll be a mixed model in the future and, and Greg is right it does you know the, the players the deal structures, the financing for co-productions has all changed. But we said that last year and we said that the year before and we said that the year before. That's the nature of the business we're in. It is ever mm. evolving and ever changing. And we just have to be dynamic enough to be slightly ahead of the changes where we can. And, and I suppose we've, we've obviously spoken a lot about how you've been affected by the pandemic. But I mean, where are the opportunities, do you think, that this obviously tragic situation has kind of given us are, are you looking at taking advantage of picking up things from the back catalogue using existing ip or or where are you finding sort of those uh, opportunities to to move forward look we're always looking at opportunities to do things differently to find new clients i i think you know lockdown has you know in some ways people say that lockdown has accelerated some of the changes in the market um you know the last year has seen huge changes with with the launches of new direct to consumer services and things, um, you know, whether it's Disney and Star or whether it's Star's Play moving into more markets, it's 
that is happening. Whether whether it may have accelerated a little bit because of the last year, but I think it it was all happening anyway. Um, and as Julie said, we just we just have to be really adaptable on what that means. You know, the rights that a broadcaster or a platform might have wanted six months ago may have changed within that time because they're launching more territories. And you know, you just you just need to in everything that we do when we're trying to finance projects or find the right homes, you you just have to be really flexible in coming up with the models that work for each project. There's not a one size fits all, but there remains lots of great opportunities out there. And I think ITV is just in a really good place there. As Julie said, we haven't stopped development. There's some fantastic new producers that have come into our fold. That's really exciting for us because I think we're just going to continue, whether it's on the factual or non-scripted side or the drama side. I think we've got some of the best producers and the and the best shows in the market. And still working very hard on relationships with independent third parties, both in the UK and elsewhere as well, to, to complement that. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, the, the pandemic has accelerated changes we would see already. I mean, but one thing we, we obviously saw beforehand was the move to streaming services and these D2C platforms. I mean, not just ITV perhaps, but I mean, just the market generally. How have you seen the market change and adapt to these new players in the market who are seemingly, you know, have endless supply of content and, and can pick it up from wherever they want? And, and in some cases, are looking in-house to feed their platforms. How are you kind of managing that and, and what are some of the trends you're seeing in the market, uh, Augustus? I mean, as, as Greg was saying, I mean, it's just the pandemic has just accelerated what was already happening in the marketplace. So what that's meant for us is that local platforms and our linear partners on the ground are even hungrier for content and they really want the best to compete with the global streamers, which which is great news for us. You know, if, if you're a, a Lionsgate player or an Eros Now in India or you're a Billy Billy or a Tencent, you know, if you're suddenly no longer getting US content, you've got to get quality content from someone else. And, you know, for us, we're fortunate enough to to have that breadth in the catalogue to be a really good one-stop solution for them. You know, in the linear space, we've just renewed our long-term output deals with Seven in Australia and TVNZ in New Zealand. And they continue to license content like across all genres from us and and not just the buying of content. And Julie was talking to, um, you know, local streamers, you know, commissioning their own content. So it gives us the opportunity to take that content to the global market. So we've just picked up Bump from Stan, um, which was produced by Roadshow Rough Diamond. And that's a fantastic season that we've just launched and is getting a fantastic um, response from the market. So for us, it's about placing content and it's about picking up local content that we can then take to the global marketplace. And I guess ITV isn't without its own global streaming platform. Obviously ITV is a partner in BritBox and, and we're seeing BritBox going to be launching in South Africa later and is you know just recently in Australia among the US, Canada, UK, elsewhere I'm sure before not too long. How is the growth of BritBox affecting your own distribution plans then and, and how where does where does it fit into your distribution strategy? For us, BritBox is another ITV customer, albeit with a UK content focus. So when we pick up a show or when we take any um, piece of IP to the marketplace, we look at it at a case-by-case basis. So commercially, we need to determine what the right journey is for any piece of content and what the right home is. So when we look at BritBox, we're looking at BritBox along with all of our other clients and it's a complementary service and it's a fantastic service and it will sit really comfortably along our existing business in each territory. And look, and I, I think from, you know, I've been part of launching the US service which is coming on sort of four or five years now and it works well we have a lot of partnerships in the us brickbox is a very important partner of that as well but 
they're one of many. I think the launches in other territories are, are going to be great. And and I think they'll all be different because they all, will all fit in with whichever model works for that territory at the, at the time. I mean, do you see a, a tipping point in terms of streaming services? Because obviously we have the big global players. We have a lot of niche services, uh, sort of local services or genre-specific services popping up now. I mean, do you see a, a tipping point for that as we might have seen, I guess, in, in the cable market at some point where people's wallets just can't expand to... Or, or, or just don't have the time to watch all these different services. Do you see a tipping point, and how are you maybe, you know, looking forward to how you might deal with that? I expect there will be a natural attrition, as there is in any space. But for us, you know, it's about finding the right home for the right piece of content at any given time. So, you know, time will take care of that. We can't second guess when that tipping point may happen. I think it's interesting as well that you know, if if I think a couple of years ago when there was more of these services on a subscription basis, people were like, oh, I could do three or four maximum and and I do think that's expanding and changing as people are finding content you know there's you know there's there's companies out there now that are launching that are looking at nearly aggregating some of those smaller you know those smaller SVOD niche services as well into a nearly a pay model I guess so I think it's just it's going to continually evolve but overall it gives people the choice and I think that's a good thing this time last year we would have been all together at you know one of ITV studios festivals whether it's unscripted or, or drama it sounds like you've coped you know quite well over the last year with the zoom pitch and, and having those meetings so you, you've still been able to get those sales over the line how will another year without festivals potentially um, and those meetups affect you know how your business carries on going forward I think look clearly our business is going to trundle along and you know everyone will get used to the digital way of working of pitching or reviewing content but I think there is a point to be made here that as good as our digital infrastructure is there's absolutely nothing that beats the intangible benefit of face-to-face client engagement. You know, the success of our business and our ability to work through this pandemic really comes down to the strength of our relationships um, and our relationships on the ground. So being able to break bread with your clients, being able to talk about what's going on in their marketplace, where they've got some problems in their schedule that you might be able to find a solution for. I mean, those things are, for all of us, the best part about doing business because it's about those relationships. So if we can't be reunited on mass at Nitcom. I mean, the idea of everyone being in the Palais without social distances is, is something that kind of does my head in at the moment. But that said, you know, we will continue to work. And at the very least, I'm hoping we'll be able to at least resume some territory trips in the region in the meantime, because the business has to continue. Speaking from my point of view, you know, in terms of developing relationships with producers and, and creators, in some ways, it's been easier. You know, it's been easier to arrange a meeting with a writer who, who lives in a different part of England. It's, it's been quick. You've been able to get meetings with producers with new projects in the diary quicker because you haven't had to do the, 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 the whole concept of travel time is, is out the wind, window for now. And there is something quite intimate about seeing somebody in their kitchen, in their study, their family, you know, with their, their, their husband putting a cup of tea down next to them. It's a different relationship, but um, it's a mutually beneficial one. So I, human, human, as human beings, we will find a way. It will be more fun if we can do it in person. But from a business perspective, we will, we will find a way. We're all drawn to this industry because we like reacting with people. We like traveling. We like being out there. And, and you know, I, I really look forward to, to the day when we, can, when we can start doing that again. We'll, we'll make it work. And I think it's, it's just going to be a mixed economy in the future until, you know, until things settle down. 
I mean, just tell us a bit then about, you know, the plans moving forward. What are some of your priorities for this year and your plans, you know, beyond? You said you're already working towards 2022. So what what does ITV Studios look like, you know, next year and, and beyond? Uh, Julie, should we start with you? Uh, well, as Greg alluded to earlier, you know, we've some, um, some new producers have arrived in the last year. Most recently, Nikki Schindler, who we're so, so chuffed to have in the group. She's just amazing. Like two fours we mentioned last year joined us. So the creativity and the talent that we have uh, that we work with is growing which is exciting so I think um, there's a lot of focus on on the entertainment side of things our colleagues at at ITV Studios on the format side are very busy there's a lot of focus on on that side of things it's something we haven't potentially talked about too much today we've talked about the growth of our factual slate we've got very ambitious plans in the natural history space as Greg alluded to we've been spending the year putting co-productions together for our first big blue chip landmark natural history show Uh, we're working with Plimsoll and a series has been commissioned by ITV called A Year on Planet Earth and getting the international partners on board on that one. We'll be announcing those, I think, relatively soon. It's been super exciting to be working on a show of that quality. Some of the footage has started to come through and it's, I just love it. So the, the future, I think, will continue the, the, the strength and breadth of our of our pipeline, you know, across the genres, across across scripted, factual, fact-tent and, and entertainment across the board. Those, those are our key focuses. Maybe we should just have a word about the formats and the entertainment side of things that you're developing i mean everyone's always looking for the next big shiny floor format um you know the voice or what have you what's the next one down the line i mean how are you developing new ideas in that genre then and what what's exciting you about maybe some of the things that you've got coming up well, i don't know about you guys uh, greg and Augustus, but i what i loved last year was was the castle was the seeing i'm a celebrity this format <laughs> that everyone's known for for a decade or more becomes something new and i thoroughly enjoyed it as much as i can enjoy any all those bugs and slugs and snakes but it was that was very exciting i think that's that's getting traction everywhere. Gustus, what do you what do you think? Um, look, absolutely, and and look, I think the the adaptability of our creative team in coming up with that solution is is breathtaking. Let Love Rule is another piece of IP that I think you'll see roll out uh, globally in the next um, six to twelve months. But the the one part of our business which we don't talk much about is our scripted formats business. Now, you know, we we've got a lot going on in the region in that space. So I I would like to see, and I'm, I'm I'm hoping we'll be able to see a Korean version of Gold Digger um, or an Indian version of Cleaning Up on screens in 2022. And, and that's another, another piece of the puzzle that just shows the versatility of the IP that we take on, you know, and, and finding those homes in, in local language is, is a really cool thing to do. And I, I seem to remember Greg wrote a piece for C21 about you know, potentially Shit's Creek being remade in, in various territories. So, I mean, that would be an, an interesting one. <laughs> you know what? I, I think it's interesting, but I also think it's universal. And and I can completely see that show, a German version of that show or an Italian version. And, you know, so look, we, we continue to work on that with our producers and, um, and broadcasters to find, you know, the right home to roll that out. I think this year has definitely been the year of getting the, the Canadian version out around the world to the point that it is. And, you know, and we'll see what life it has after that. And then just Greg and Augustus, I mean, what are some of your priorities, I guess, on, on the sales? distribution side how are you changing the way you work and, and meeting demands that the broadcasters have today and going into the future uh, look i don't know that we're changing the way that we're working i mean it just goes back to one of the points that we made before about being flexible you know what we are seeing is 
a, a huge change in the suite of rights required by our, our partners, be it BVOD or extended catch-up or, um, you know, ex- extended rights within the on-demand space. And, and we're fortunate at ITV to be able to clearly provide that, you know, for the right terms, of course. But that's an exciting change in the marketplace. But generally speaking, and going back to Julie's point, the breadth of the creative talent that we have access to and, you know, it's it's the world's and, you know, but also it's the, the cat layer, you know, apple tree, you know, the, the kind of non-English language dramas that we're getting as well are, are, are extremely high caliber. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the marketplace opens up to those dramas globally because we're seeing an increased interest and we're seeing um, the marketplace respond in terms of audiences. From my side, obviously um, it is business as usual for us. I'm excited. I'm moving back to LA because I think we've got a huge job in just continuing to grow how we find not only co-productions, but even, you know, even commissions now of, of shows. And I think that the partnerships, the partnerships just remain front and center of, of everything we do and trying to match those projects and producers with platforms and networks to, uh, to get the best results. So it feels, it feels like it's going to be a very busy year. I, you know, I came out of January with this plan of all these things we were going to do. And all of a sudden that was gone. And, and I can't believe we're heading into March or we're, you know, we're March already. So um, I think it's just going to go at breakneck speed and uh, we'll sort of look back at the end of the year and go, what happened? Where are we now? <laughs> as we do every year. And, and you'll be having numerous meetings, I imagine, over the next couple of weeks as part of the, you know, the London screenings event. Just if each of you want to give us one show, perhaps that you're, you're going to be talking about a lot, what would it be? Augustus, start with you. What's your show? Look, you know, Grace is a fantastic new drama that we have. And we're hoping that will become an ongoing brand for us in the same way that Shetland and Vera are. The other one that I'm really, really excited to be taking to market, which Julie might want to talk more to, is Harry Palmer, The Ypres File. This is a fantastic adaptation. You know, you may remember the 1960s film that starred Michael Caine. This one's a cracker. The scripts are brilliant. And I think it's going to be a really big one for us next year. Julie, you you would agree with that, would you? Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, the, yeah, the, uh, the team at Altitude are amazing. They've pulled together an amazing cast, director, writer, it's wonderful that it's on ITV as well. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, of the spy genre in, in general. And I love the fact that it's period, it's set in the Cold War and with all the intrigue and everything that that brings. The scripts just sizzle. The ladies are looking really good. So yeah, it's just gone into production. Superhuman effort from the producers to, to, to get there. So yeah, definitely exciting. You know, but there's some great stuff on the factual side as well. We're launching Secrets of the Supercar from 2.4 in this market. It's exactly what it says on the tin. It's multi-million pound gorgeous you know these kind of cars that just seem like fantasy cars and it's good escapist television it's, it's 10 hours you know so that volume is great and we definitely would hope that that would return we've also got a really fascinating series called secrets of the lost ark which really you know takes ask all those the questions it's, it's the most famous relic out there you know that the quest for that for that is is the stuff of legends and uh, like a shot i've got a really good uh, group of experts on that and i, I just love the fact that those kind of shows give us the, the breadth and depth in our slate greg what, what's your you know what one that I am quite excited about which which we're launching at the London screenings is our first Israeli drama Jerusalem I think it's going to be a really exciting series and it, it's take it's been a long time in in development and get and it's in filming now it's 10 episodes um, from drama team for for hot in Israel and you know there's something about it this the scripts are great you know there, there's been some wonderful Israeli dramas from you know Fowder to Tehran recently and and hostages 
from our own Amosa. And um, I, I just think this is going to be a really good thriller that hits the mark in what I find an absolutely fascinating city. It is, it is, you know, that one square kilometer and everything that goes on in that old in that old town of Jerusalem is is all going to come to life in this series. So I think that's that's exciting for us. Um, I think the other one that I am excited about that Augustus mentioned is um, is Bump. I think you know I love seeing good Australian series on uh, on TV and and see them selling around the world. And it's just one that it delivered on the promise of the scripts and the acting's great. And you know and it really is finding an audience at the moment. We've got a lot of offers around the world that will be closing in the next in the next sort of month or so. And I think that's going to be real exciting to see that roll out. Julie Meldal Johnson, Greg Johnson and Augustus Dalgaro from ITV Studios speaking with Michael Pickard. That's all for this episode and wraps our coverage of the 2021 London screenings over the past two weeks. But don't forget to visit our dedicated microsite covering this year's virtual event. There'll be more from the podcast next week. And in the meantime, stay safe and up to date with all the latest international TV industry developments by following C21 online on mobile and social media. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening.